Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Good morning. Are you ready for the Bible this morning? All right, I'm going to open up this morning with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. And Jeremiah, if you turn me down just a little bit. 2 Corinthians 3, 1, 3 says this, Praise be to the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble and with the comfort we ourselves would receive. Would you say the the word comfort today? Comfort. Amen. Let's take a moment. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity, Lord God, to come and to worship and to come to be with one another. And Lord, we just uh, welcome you as our guest of honor, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and all that you've done. And I pray that today, God, as we uh, hear your word, Lord, that you just speak to every one of us, Lord. I, I just pray that each person, God, would hear from you. I thank you, Lord, that you made it possible for us to be close to you and to know you. I thank you that you know us and you love us. And uh, Lord, it's our privilege to know you and to follow you. So Lord, let your word do a great work in us as we listen today and uh, let everyone, God, truly be blessed. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So we started our, our Christmas series a couple weeks ago, and Elizabeth shared a message called Prepare Him Room, and she talked about making room um, for Jesus in your life. And uh, last week, I talked to, and said, uh, it talked about how a king is born, and uh, that this Messiah or Christ, uh, well, every time we hear that word Messiah or Christ, um, it, what it means literally is anointed one. But when they heard anointed one, what they heard was a king because kings were anointed. And it wasn't the king that they were expecting because he was so much more because Jesus is the king of heaven. He's ruling and reigning over a much greater uh, kingdom in all the earth. And this week, I want to talk to you about the subject about when Christmas is difficult. Elizabeth prayed about that and prayed for folks and their Christmases and for when Christmas is difficult and for Many folks, um, Christmas, the whole season, can be really difficult. And for others, it'll be somewhat difficult or different parts of it will be difficult. And um, it could be because of things that are going on like right now. It could be because of things that have happened in the past. Um, It could be because there are loved ones um, who are no longer with us. Um, It could be because of loved ones who are with you that it's difficult. just, but the pain and the frustration, the sorrow, like all the feels, uh, frankly, are just much deeper at Christmas because Christmas is a time when it, it's a heart season, right? It's, it's like it's supposed to be a, a relational season. It's supposed to be a time when we reflect and a time when we ponder, um, a time when we like take stock of things. And, and we're going to get into all of that. But what I want to do is I want to take you to the first Christmas story in Scripture and then we're going to come back to that because I really believe in my heart that God has what every individual needs in what they're walking through. God is the great customizer in the sense that he knows what you need 
when you need it, and he knows how to meet with you. I know when I was growing up, my dad, my late father, he said, uh, said, son, don't trust in your ability to hear God. Trust in God's ability to speak to you. And the reality is God has what you need, and uh, he has the ability to help you hear it and receive in your life. Amen? So going back to that, that first Christmas, um, you have a virgin who is pregnant, Mary, this miracle pregnancy, and you have this fiancé, Joseph, who uh, almost left her um, because, uh, you know, he, he said, you know, you're pregnant and it's not by me, right? And so he's like, well, you know, I'm going to do the honorable thing and I'm going to divorce you quietly. This is how, like, the days before Christmas began, right? It was you have this young lady, probably a teenager, right, who's pregnant. And uh, I'm really curious about, like, how the rest of her family and the community um, handled it where she grew up. Like, how much of it was hiding? I mean, you can't hide it completely, right? And how, and how did the family, like, when she went and told her parents, I'm pregnant, right? And they went, wait, what? Right? And, and what? And they're like, who, what? And he's like, she starts telling this story about an angel who visited her and about this Holy Spirit who would overshadow her. I'm sure, I mean, I don't know her dad. Her dad's not recorded in Scripture. But he's probably thinking, right. I mean, it's never happened before. Hasn't happened since, right? But like, how did the family and how did the community in Galilee, like how did they all handle this news? Did she go out and about in the community um, and, and, or did she hide it? I, I, was, I was thinking about this very practically and very concretely. And I just remember, um, you know, we've had four. Well, Elizabeth's had four. I've just been, been there. Um, but I remember with, with Abigail, like Elizabeth didn't even really show until at least six months that, that with, with her first pregnancy. She's shaking her head now. Well, in my mind, she didn't show for six months. But, you know, I'm thinking like you can hide it for a little while, but at some point, like people going to know, right? What's wild, though, is that when, when Mary visits Elizabeth, her relative, it says in Luke 142, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy because she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. So Mary arrives at Elizabeth's home, and Elizabeth is having a baby as well. But the irony is Elizabeth is much older and hadn't been able to have a child. And the Lord gave her this miracle pregnancy through her husband of John the Baptist, right? And when Mary enters the scene, John the Baptist leaps in her womb and gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and Elizabeth is just overwhelmed with joy and gives her this wonderful reaction about Mary being there and blessed is the mother of my Lord. Apparently for Elizabeth, she was very happy for Mary and made this proclamation. I kind of wonder if that maybe helped some of the other family members and that kind of thing. But I'm thinking for this young woman, um, and uh, what a journey for her, this whole promise, this whole pregnancy, this whole thing. And for, for you to receive this miracle, I, I talk about pressure to raise a child well, right? It's like, you're going to raise the Son of God. I got this? I mean, the first Christmas, really, we read the wonder in it as we should. We read the glory in it as we should. 
But the first Christmas was difficult. It was difficult on many levels. In that time, the Roman Empire was ruling over Israel. They were, um, they were, uh, th- that empire was oppressive and had its hand on them. And um, um, you know what every mother wants to do when they're about to give birth is, is travel, right? Um, you know, let's, let's take a 14-mile walk um, all the way to Nazareth. Um, and that's what was going to happen because it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of, of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, the fiancé that I mentioned, also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This family, um, that first Christmas involved travel, a census, an overcrowded town, um, not even getting proper accommodations. You know, the the story could have played out so many different ways, right? Like Jesus could have been born in a palace, right? He could have been born with every privilege, with everything. And yet the the austereness of it, everything that he went through, um, it wasn't easy on his family. It wasn't easy on him. And things aren't going to get any easier from here. Because magi come into town, um, these kind of mysterious foreign folks who come in and they have these gifts and they're looking for this newborn child who they call is, is the king of the Jews. And they came and they declared, we are coming to worship him. And the king at that time, King Herod, he was, it says in scripture, greatly disturbed. Um, and the magi come and they go visit the family. And it says in Matthew chapter two, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up. He said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. You thought you'd walked a long way already, right? Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother and t- uh, during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. You're reading this story, and you're reading some of the issues and the challenges that Joseph and Mary had to, to face. And now, with these magi coming into town, they, they presented them gifts, but actually uh, it alerted Herod that this king had been born. And so Herod is like, I don't want another king around here. So he's going to kill the, uh, Jesus. He wants to find Jesus and murder the baby. In fact, Jesus gets out of town. They, they take him away to Egypt, right? Herod is so determined, he, des, he decrees that every child from two years old and younger is to be killed. Y'all, the, the first Christmas or so was not that easy. Um, I kind of imagined in my mind that, you know, they're maybe writing the, this isn't what happened, but, you know, they're writing the first course of, away in a major cut, we got to go to Egypt. Right? It's like this sweet, beautiful kind of thing that's happened. 
new family member, all of that. He's been gone through the ceremonies. And now, here we go to Egypt. When we, when we consider like the difficulty that they went through, he would go to Egypt and they would stay there until the coast was clear. Actually, they would wait until Herod's death. And then the Lord would speak to Joseph and say, Joseph, it's okay to move your family back in. And so Jesus' first few years as a baby, he lived as literally a, a political refugee, like leaving the country and he's in Egypt. And um, we look at that and we go, man, that Christmas was, was difficult. Um, everything about it was difficult. Why do we celebrate it so much, right? But we celebrate because the promise has been born, amen? We celebrate because hope has come. We celebrate because we know uh, the, the good that Jesus is about to bring 30 years later in his life, when he begins his public ministry, the miracles that he would do, the teaching that he do, he would raise the dead, he would heal the blind. Like we've read more of the story. We know that it's more than just the promise of a baby, that truly the king has been born and he is the savior of the world who will go to the cross, amen? So we, we celebrate because we know that's the beginning of the promise. And you know, the beginning of, the, of that promise is when you have hope. You know, our Christmas, um, on that Christmas that they first had, Jesus had not taught his first lesson. He had not performed the miracles. He had not paid for the sins, but it was all on the way. And, you know, Christmas is our time to celebrate the Savior has been born. And it's a time to remember that that hope has arrived and indeed, that hope has also been fulfilled around us. And it's this, this hope for something better, this expectation for something better. Jesus said himself, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came for a good reason and to give you and I life. So when we look at our Christmases and we look at things that can be difficult, and I shared earlier that one of the reasons Christmas can be difficult is because of all the emotions you're supposed to have. But then those emotions start connecting with loss and they start connecting with trauma or they connect with, with things that have happened. And all of a sudden you, feel, you, get, you can get into a pattern where Christmas is something you endure, not something you celebrate. And we know in our mind as believers in Jesus Christmas is something we should celebrate, amen? And what we'll do is we'll go, yeah, well, I'm happy about Jesus coming. I'm happy about the story. I'm happy about the Savior, but it's always hard for me for all of these very real reasons. You may be dealing with some depression. You might be battling um, anxiety or um, battling loneliness, um, grieving you know, somebody that you've lost um, someone that you love, and navigating all of that grief. And, um, you know, first, I, I want to share with you that just as a pastor, I just want to encourage you, don't handle these things in a worldly way. Don't, don't drink away your pain. Don't, uh, you know, a lot of holiday, um, a lot of holidays have become the excuse for heavy drinking, and really a lot of times what happens is that heavy drinking 
it, it's being used as medication for us. And I just, I, I want to say to you, like, I get it. I understand it. I'm not trying to give you a hard time about it. But I want to say there's a better medicine. There's a better relief that you can have. Sometimes we'll use things like food to numb our pain. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll isolate ourselves. Um, and, you know, that, that the enemy loves isolation because what he does with isolation is he just comes and he just puts even more pressure on us, more oppression, more, more hopelessness on us in the midst of, of those moments, right? Second, you know, the, the goal is it's not to ignore your emotions and ignore what you've been through, but it's to allow God to touch those things. And you see, there's this, there's this balance because um, um, we have to pay attention to our emotions, but, our motion, but not let our emotions rule over us. Did you all catch that? Like, if you try to just distance yourself from, from all of your emotions, um, you become lifeless, right? God gave you emotions for a reason, but emotions are not there to rule over you and to be, to be your God. Emotions help us understand what is going on underneath the surface. They're, they're, they're like that early warning or telling us what's going on under there, but our emotions can also lie to us. That's so important. Hopelessness is a lie, right? And hopelessness is the lie that leads people to, to suicide is because that there is no hope. And I want to tell you, you know, if you've, if you've been down that road, if you're battling that, I want you to know that God loves you. He is not here to shame you, but he is here to give you real hope. Real hope. The enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to oppress us he wants to exploit every negative emotion. And so what we have to do is we have to take those emotions to the Lord and, and allow the Lord to handle our emotions. Say, Lord, I need you to show me um, what these emotions mean. I need you to help me understand which ones of these I should pay attention, and some may just be a lie. And I need you to show me how to, how to handle them. And I need you to speak truth in the midst of what I am feeling and, what, and what's going on and so that I can receive truth rather than build on a lie. Lord, how do I take these emotions to you? Well, honestly, it is not complicated. It is a heart thing. It is a faith thing. All you need to do is sincerely go, God, here's what I'm feeling. God, here's what's going on. And you open up your heart and you say, God, help me. God, help me. And he has a way of helping us to navigate what's going on under the surface. I remember years ago, probably about 15 years ago, we were just having a regular Christmas. And this was before I had suffered some losses in my life that I'll talk to you about in a, in a moment. But um, we were sitting around and we were doing the Christmas thing, right? And Elizabeth's mom and dad were there and uh, all four kids were there. Uh, Caleb was just about there um, or barely. Yeah, he's 15. So I'm just doing the math in my head. Um, but we're there as a family and we're opening up presents. And um, one of the things I noticed, I noticed that I kind of shut down and got quiet. And I was just a, like, like I had taken my emotions and I had subdued them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just kind of like, 
And there wasn't like a reason for it. And Elizabeth's like, is there something wrong? And like all men, I gave the, the right answer. Nothing. I'm good, you know. Uh, a one-word, two-word answer that helps them not at all. I gave that answer. Nothing. But it bothered me because it was like automatic. Like I didn't even think about doing it. I just kind of went into this mode. And so I, I kind of recognized it all of a sudden. And I was like, not only am I doing this, but I think I do this every Christmas. And so I, I, I went to the Lord and I said, God, like, what is going on in my heart that all of a sudden when it's present opening time, I just kind of subdue my, my emotions. And what the Lord helped me see is you don't just do it then, you also do it on your birthday as well when it comes to presents. And I was like, what is going on, God? Why am I doing that? What, what is this behavior? And as I prayed into it and I sought the Lord, the Lord started to show, kind of give me, a, a um, open up my eyes that, you know, Christmas when I was growing up was kind of a mixed bag. Um, I had a, a loving mom and dad, the most important thing, but we really lived on the poverty line. And financially, Christmas was really stressful for the parents. And I was the oldest child, and so I was probably more aware of the stress that Christmas brought on mom and dad trying to provide for three kids and in that season. And so we were taught very firmly, you be thankful and you have low expectations. <laughs> Am I talking to the right people? Some people are like, that was my Christmas. Be thankful. And my dad had the same story that he told every year of this one Christmas that he only got one gift and how he was very thankful for it. And it was his way of saying, you be thankful for whatever you get. And so what I learned is as a child, is I learned to kind of withdraw and numb my, my emotions and my expectations so that I would not be disappointed. And here I am as an adult with a family, with children, um, celebrating Jesus. And, you know, we're reading the Christmas story and we've got family around. And, um, oh my word, growing up, I mean, uh, Elizabeth with presents with our children, like, uh, I, I, can't, I can't tell you some of the pictures that I have in my mind of just presence everywhere uh, in our living room and just it being a, a lot of fun. And, and a lot of them were very simple things, not extravagant things or anything like that, but just wonderful time. But me, I was subdued. And the Lord had to show me what was going on in my emotions and help me see that, see that so that he could set me free and so that I could really enjoy it. And it was just like, like, like one little thing, but I was acting out of a behavior that I had, a coping me mechanism that I had learned way back as a child that I didn't even recognize. You know, um, Elizabeth and I had um, someone close to us come a few weeks ago to us, and they said, um, Pastor Mike and Elizabeth, um, I, need to, I need to confess something to you. Every Christmas, I get depressed. And they, they said, but I don't tell anyone. And uh, Elizabeth and I said, well, man, well, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And we just said, all right, well, let's take a moment and let's pray. And so the three of us, we just pray. And I got to tell you, man, the power of the Lord just was there. And within, a, within less than a day, like we're getting texts, you know what? God has set me free. And you know what the person reported back to me? He said, I prayed into it and I asked the Lord and the Lord showed me that it was because I was keeping it alone and I wouldn't share it 
that it had so much power over me. And it broke when I was willing to share it. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. The thing is, is God has a way of going to the source of where that thing is and bringing healing. He came to be our healer. He came as our hope. And I know for many of us, we've experienced like loss of, of loved ones. Um, my mom passed away in my mid-30s. It was 2011. Um, the very next year, Elizabeth's dad passed away in 2012. Then my father passed away in 2017. And we found our Christmases changing very quickly. Our whole lives changing very quickly with the loss um, of our parents. Um, and the thing was is, you know, you have that loss, and that very first Christmas, all I mean, you just see that it's the person's not there. And I know most of us in that in the room have experienced that loss. And you know, it's appropriate to grieve a loss and to honor someone that you miss and that you love. Amen. And it's appropriate to also move forward. Yes, things are going to be different. But God has good things for you in the future. And there is this hope of something good for us in the future. And the, the, the thing that we navigate is we don't want the past to have power over the future. And so how do we navigate the real loss and the real feelings and the things that we are walking through and still be able to walk into our future? And I dare say, even with the people that you love, they still want you to live in your future. Amen? And, and we go, there are things that all, there's such a wide range, you can't cover it in a service. Some of us are, are defiant, we're like, I don't want it to be different. And I'm sorry. I mean, it's tough. But things are different. And so, we have to, to navigate that. I, I want to share something that, um, somebody shared with us in the, in the prayer team about grief. They said that, um, and they, they've walked through their fair share of grief, and they said the Lord showed them that they were wearing grief like this, this heavy coat, if you will, and that they'd almost gotten comfortable with wearing it, like it had become part of them, and oddly kind of like identifying with it. And the Lord challenged them and says, I need you to take it off. Yes, you need to grieve, and yes, you need to mourn, but grieving is not who you are. It is something you are walking through because you love. Amen? And so we have to be careful about those lines, but what's awesome is God is so good, and he is so patient, and he's so able to navigate us through those things. And, and here's, I dare, dare say this to you, that in your Christmas, you can have some things that are really hard and some things that are really good. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Are you all catching that? You can be walking through something that is very difficult right now in this season of your life. God knows it. He sees it. He's not asking you to ignore it. He's asking you for permission to come in and touch that area, and he recognizes it. And you can enjoy some things in your Christmas as well. It's okay. You have permission. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. The God 
of all comfort. I pray that those words pierce some of us today. That he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble and with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul, in this scripture, he's talking about all the trials and tribulations and all the things that he had been through uh, in, in just ministry and sharing the gospel. He'd been buffeted so many times, beat up, and just so many things that he'd been stoned. I mean, so many things that he went, went through, but he said, the God of all comfort. And I want to tell you that, that, that like the God of all comfort is personal. The God of all comfort is there for you, not just the person, some other person. The God of all comfort knows what you are walking through. He sees you. He sees what you're walking through, and he cares about it. Now, you've got to be careful. The temptation is to walk through it alone. But God has not called us to walk alone. Amen? In loneliness, it's too easy to believe a lie. In loneliness, that isolation the enemy likes to work as well. And so you don't have to tell the world, but you need to be in community with someone. You need to be sharing and connecting with someone. And the challenge is what we'll do is we will, we will say, well, I can't share it with that person because they're going through this. And I can't share it with that person because of this kind of thing. And, but you know what? Sometimes we are trying to protect others, but what if it's healing for both of you? What, it's, what if the conversation is what you both need? Don't walk it alone. If Christmas is difficult for you or part of Christmas is difficult for you, um, I just want to allow, encourage you, like, allow the God of all comfort to minister to you and go to him and just be honest about what you're feeling. Go to him about what you're, you're walking through. Recognize that while we celebrate Christmas because our hope has come, that first Christmas was very difficult. Uh, you know, that it, it was this paradox of, these shepherds coming because they got news from angels and these magi coming with these extravagant gifts and yet having to hightail it to Egypt just to keep the baby alive. It wasn't all easy. It was, it, there was a lot of, of difficulty in it, but that first Christmas was full of hope because there was a promise. And if there's, some, if there's one word that I, I pray that, that, that pierces in your heart today, it's the word hope. Our hope has been born. It's Jesus. He, he was the evidence that all the promises that God had made and said that I love you and I'm going to send a Savior. It was the evidence that the Savior had arrived. And they still had to wait for him to grow up and do all the amazing things. I just want to encourage you, allow hope to do its work in your heart. I want to encourage you, don't, don't hide the pain and the difficult things from God and others. Have the right people around you, but make sure that you're honest with God. God is not intimidated by what you are going through. He, there is nothing that you are walking through that is too difficult for him to navigate. He is your creator, and he can heal your heart. He made you with those emotions. He can heal and restore and minister to your, your emotions. He understands those difficult places in your life, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he is bigger than what you are facing. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning?
you know, the, the, the tough thing about, you know, you, you share something like this and, and I am intentionally, not maliciously, intentionally, you're thinking about the things that makes a Christmas difficult, right? Like that's the natural thing. But you see, as those things bubble up, then what happens is the, God shows up and he says there is a grace to minister to you in that moment. For some of us, just the change alone that you've walked through in Christmas is like, it's just not what it was before. It's just not the same. But, you know, that's okay. God can meet with you in a meaningful way right now and in this season because he has hope for you. And here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you today that whatever you're walking through, that God will visit you and minister to your heart. And that whatever thing that has been um, oppressive to you, that it will be broken. And that the heaviness, there's, there is sorrow that we have when we have loss that's appropriate, but then there's a heaviness uh, that tries to demoralize us and steal our hope. I'm going to pray that that heaviness, that cloak be removed. It's okay and right to feel sorrow. It's okay to walk through. It honors the person that you love. But God hasn't called you to live in that place. He also has hope for you. And for some of us, the ugliness of some of it is hard and some of it is really good. But we serve a good God and that he cares for you. And just as I pray, I just want to encourage you. Would, you. would you just open your heart to the Lord? It's almost like you're, you're taking the, the pain or the frustration or the thing that is difficult and it's like you're just putting it right before Him. Jesus. God of all comfort. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that there's no loss that's too great for you. It's too great for us. It's not too great for you. There's no thing that we're walking through that's too great for you. Maybe too great for us, but it's not too great for you. Lord, come. Come. Father, as people's Christmases change, they walk through, some people are walking through the hardest season of their life right now. God, would you carry them right now? Would you carry them in your love? Carry them in your grace? Carry them by your presence? Come close to them? You are the God of all comfort. And I pray today, comfort those who mourn. Comfort those who are in stress. Comfort those who have lost. And Jesus, would you come and be the hope? Not the idea of hope, but Jesus, you are our hope. Thank you, Lord, that you came us to give us life and life to the full. I pray for some people, just the permission to, for some things to be hard and to enjoy some other things. But Lord, I also pray that I know there are people that you want to heal something in them. 
You want to heal something that has been repeated over and over this time of year. A memory, um, a, a catastrophe, God, a season of life that every time Christmas comes around, Lord, it's like rewind and play, rewind and play, and, it, and it's just buffeting those people. Lord, in, in the, your mighty name, Jesus, I pray that that thing will lose its power. For that thing that is played over and over and over, it's time, Lord Jesus, for it to lose its power. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that the Savior has come. I thank you for a Savior who took my sin, who took our sin to a cross. Thank you, Lord, for a Savior who rose from the dead and who rules and reigns. And Lord, I thank you for a Savior, God, who has good plans and a way forward. I thank you, God, for being our Savior. I thank you for your love towards us. I thank you, Lord, that your love is something that we can feel. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is someone, something that we can know. You're not mysterious, but God, you are who you say you are. And God, you are love is what you said. And we thank you for your love in our lives. God, come, come. And I pray, Lord, even as people are sensing your presence, sensing your love, sensing your touch, I pray that even a Lord laying in their bed, they could sense that same presence of your Holy Spirit, you coming close to them. Lord, even in their car, even in their when they're alone, God, that they could sense your love, Lord, that your love is not limited, Lord God, to this building or to this gathering, but God, your presence is available. And Lord, as we cry out and as we press in, as we give our hearts to you, Lord, make yourself known. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. Thank you for your love. God, we worship you and we honor you. And Lord, my prayer today is as we've touched on things that are hurtful, Lord, that the enemy would not be able to exploit those feelings. But God, only you would be allowed in the room, the healer. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to Victory Christian. Dot church.